Good morning, church. Uh, let us please stand for the scripture reading. And the scripture for today is Psalm 77. I repeat, the scripture is Psalm 77. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear to, unto me. In the day of trouble I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promises fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast, thine arm, thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee, and they were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water, the sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, thy path in the great waters. Thy footsteps are not known. Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hands of Moses and Aaron. Amen. You can be seated. Surrendering to the unknown. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 21. The message I have today is really... More about Hagar than Abraham, but it connects so much with Abraham. I'm going to preach to you today your hope at the end of your rope. And I'd like to read Genesis chapter 21, and I'll read verses 14 through verse 20. Genesis 21, 14 to 20. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water, and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, and the child, and sent her away. And she departed, wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle. She cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. She sat over against him. She lifted up her voice. And she wept. you got to see that. you got to see this broken-hearted mother. God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called Hagar out of heaven. said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not! For God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him in thine hand, 
for I will make of him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And let's read please verse 20 as the last verse. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord, now for this special moment to look into this beautiful, beautiful, emotional passage of Scripture of Hagar and her son Ishmael, Lord, that Abraham sent away. Thank You, God, that, you, that this is such an illustration of Your love and care for all of us today. Dear Lord, we praise You. Teach us now to trust You and to know that You are our hope even when we are at the end of our rope. In Jesus' name, Amen. So that's the message today. Your hope at the end of your rope. Now, as I read this passage of Scripture, Hagar just reminds us of so many people wandering the streets of our city today. In our last homeless outreach with Natasha, we, we went to a park and I saw something I hadn't seen in 30 years and I saw a man just standing there with a needle or sitting there with a, a heroin needle in his arm. And he didn't take it out or anything. He just sat there with the needle in his arm shooting heroin up into his arm as we tried to reason with him of the love of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of wandering today. And this word in this verse number 14 where it says, Hagar it says, went into the wilderness and she wandered. That's the word that really intrigues me in this introduction. She wandered as she experienced such loneliness, rejection, despair, poverty. She's like so many people that we see. But you don't have to be a, a heroin addict to experience that. I, this past week, a famous woman who was one of the main advisors of Hillary Clinton for many years, Huma Abedin, she came out, she wrote a book about the, the devastation and how she was so traumatized during the election time, uh, during her life with her husband because her husband who had run for mayor in New York. So these are powerful people. Remember when her husband ran for mayor, he got involved in all kinds of sexual wickedness and, t and sexting and so forth and it sank his mayoral campaign and she was so traumatized, she said... I, I almost wanted to walk in front of a train, throw myself down into the subway track in front of a train. People are wandering today. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. That's the same word. We've gone astray. So why do people wander? Because of sin. And I looked up that word wandering. It's just a powerful word. And it's used even for those who are in a drunken stupor. It's used for, for a sinner. All we like sheep. We're all wandering. If you're without Jesus, you're just wandering in this life. Here's one of the verses that I found. Can you read it with me? Isaiah 28.7, it says, But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink, are out of the way. That's the word wander. That's the same Hebrew word. The priests and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. So I highlighted this Hebrew word for wandering. It's translated in this text, out of the way. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. 
What causes people, this verse, what causes people to wander, to go out of the way, to stray and err from God? What causes them? Three times it says strong drink and wine. Our culture's given over to that. It's causing people to wander. Let me ask you this. Who are the ones doing it in this verse, though? Who are the ones leading the people astray? What does it say? Okay, so it's the strong drink that leads them astray, but who's doing it? It's the priest and the prophet. The leaders, the ones who should have known better, the ones who should have been directing them away from that kind of lifestyle, were the ones who were encouraging it. I encourage you not to drink. Amen? I encourage you to stay away from alcohol because wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Now, the third question I see from this Scripture, what's the result when people wander out of the way, when the prophet and the priest lead them in the wrong pathway? What is, what is the result? It's the, in the last line, what is it? They do what? They, they stumble in justice. Justice is lost. A sense of right and wrong gets washed away. Wrong is right and right is wrong. And that's where we are in our culture. There's a lot of wandering today. I read this in a recent article. 24 out of every 25 millennials. Millennials are children born from like about 1982 or around in there uh, up until about 1995. So they're the ones in their 20s and 30s today. So to speak. They're the young parents today, the millennials. 24 out of 25 millennials lack a biblical worldview. 75% say they lack meaning in life. 75%, they're wandering. One third, only one third even claim to believe in God. And 39% of young millennials, listen to this, 39% young millennials identify as LGBTQ. They've been deceived. They've been tricked. They've not learned a biblical worldview, so they're wandering and just trying anything out. And another 29% see themselves and identify as having a mental disorder. This is how they've been trained. They've been lied to. And this article, George Barna, a pollster, he attributed some of these high numbers, especially to why so many identify LGBTQ, because the media, which is a false, false prophets. You know what the missionary told me last week? He said, our media today are like the false prophets. And I said, I agree with you, brother. That's why I just told you. He, the media makes it safe and cool to identify that way. There's a lot of wandering. I'm going to give you one other verse, and then we'll get into the message. Look at this verse. Can you read it with me? It says, Thus saith the Lord... For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept His commandments. And their lies caused them to err after the which their fathers have walked. Now this is prophets preaching. What causes people to err according to that verse? What causes people to err? What does it say? Their lies. When people don't know the truth, they, they go... You err, Jesus said, because you don't know the power of God. You don't know the Word of God. You err. 
People are wandering in error. That's the, that's the word wander. They cause them to wander because of lies. Now, why do people receive lies? What does the verse say? Right before the lies. What does the verse say? Why do people receive the lies? Because they what? Yeah, they despise the Word of God. They're like, I don't want the Bible. It's too boring. I don't want the law of God. I don't want to live according to His commandments. And, it, and so they receive lies and it causes them to err. And then what's the result of it all? What is God going to bring? What does Amos say? God's going to bring what? Punishment. Judgment is going to come. Judgment is at the door for us today, beloved, unless we as a nation repent. The only solution for Hagar. You know, I looked up this, you know, because that's a cliche, right? When you're at the end of your rope, when you're at the end of your rope, I looked it up, and almost everything it, it said to tie a knot and hold on. Tie a knot and hold on. That's not good enough. You know what a lot of people have to do? Don't just tie a knot and hold on. You're going to have to learn to let go of some ropes that you've been holding on to. And we're going to look at some of these ropes today. Your hope at the end of your rope is let go of the ropes you've been holding on to and hold on to the Lord! Hold on to the Word of God! Hold on to Jesus, the Savior of the world! You've got to take hold on God. We're powerless to just tie a knot and hold on. You're going to fall unless you're holding on to the truth. We've got to let go of some ropes and hold on to the Lord. And so look at what God says to Hagar here. Hagar, let go. You're going to have to let go of your past, Hagar. You're not going back to the past. You're not going to be able to go back to... She had to let go of Abraham. She had to let go of her, her, her job, if you will, as a servant in, in his household. She had to let go, and now she's got her son with her. But she can have, and she has still the Lord, we see. And so because Hagar's powerless in her life situations, and so are we, we've got to let go of some ropes and hold on to the fact that God has a great passion for you. That's the first thing I see in this passage of Scripture. I see God's great passion for Hagar. God wants to work in her life. God loves Hagar and Ishmael. God had a special plan for Abraham, but that doesn't mean He didn't care for Hagar and for her son, Ishmael. God has a passion for these two, so they should never be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Now look at this verse 17 in our text in Genesis 21. As Hagar's removed herself from Ishmael. Now, Ishmael is about 13 or 14. Ishmael is not, you know, a two year old child. He's, he's like a teenage boy. But he's, from the text, we see he's obviously very weak at this point. Because Hagar has removed herself from Ishmael. It says that she has cast him under a shrub. She's cast him under a bush to shade him from the desert sun. 
And look at that verse in, in verse number four. Uh, look at please verse 15. It says, The water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. That word cast is actually used for the lowering of dead bodies into a pit. It was used when they lowered Joseph down into that pit, or Jeremiah into a pit. It was used in other places when Absalom was dead and they lowered him in a pit. And here, she, she just believes Ishmael's life is over because she says, I don't want to see my son die. She has no hope. She's at the end of her rope. She puts her son under that shrub. And then she says to herself, I can't hear. I, can't, I don't even want to hear him cry. And I can see Hagar move over to the side. She doesn't want to hear the whimpering sorrow of her son as he breathes his last. Think of that. I could see her put her hands over her ears. I don't want to see my son die. I don't want to hear him. She moved, it says, over a bow shot, right? So she didn't have to hear her son. She couldn't bear. She couldn't bear to listen. Right? She couldn't bear to hear it. Guess what? What does this text say? God heard. God heard the voice, not of Hagar. Because it says she... Now, watch this. You see what the text says? Verse 16. She sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. And the text never says Ishmael said anything. But it does say that God heard the voice of Ishmael. So he was saying something. And here's the thing that just touches my soul, beloved. Is that no one in the world heard Ishmael. No one! Not even his mother! She couldn't bear to listen to him, but God could. And so when you have a cry, and you think, no one is hearing me. Nothing is changing. I'm at the end of my rope. My son's going to die. God hears. God hears. He has a passion for you. That's His passion. To hear. He's the only... Think of this. He is the only one in the world who heard Ishmael. And that's the one who needed to hear him. Amen. That's our God. So He hears you. And that's the whole point of prayer, isn't it? We're all by ourselves, But we're talking to the Lord, and guess what? He hears you. Don't ever think He doesn't hear you. No one else in the world is listening to you or even knows what you're going through. But God knows. And He hears you. It says it twice in the beginning of verse 17 at the end. And God heard the voice of the lad. For God hath heard the voice of the lad. And watch those last three words. What is it? Right where he is. He didn't have to go anywhere. God hears him. Now here's the beautiful thing too. There's another phrase in this verse that just is so beautiful. Where was God when he heard? Now back in chapter 16, the Lord took on bodily form. It was a Christophany. And the Lord appeared in physical form to Hagar and talk to her. That's not what's happening here. Where's God? What does that verse say? Where's God? He's in heaven. 
She doesn't see him. But God sees her. Remember the name that the Lord, she gave the Lord? She says, you are El Roi. Thou God seest me. It's not whether I can see the Lord. We have to know that He sees us. And when we, when we know He sees us, guess what? We'll see Him. We'll see Him. It's God's great passion is to hear the voice. To hear our cries. But then what does it say? He speaks to our need. Because this verse says, And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar. This is the same angel that appeared in bodily form to her back in chapter 16. But now, the angel of God called to Hagar, (laughs) Woo! Out of heaven! The one who spoke to her in chapter 16 is is the God of heaven and earth. His name is Jesus Christ. And He can come down and talk to you if He wants. Or He can talk to you from heaven if He wants. He's God. And He has a passion for you. Believe that, beloved. He loves you. He has a passion to hear your cries. He has a passion to speak to your need. If you would just let Him and believe in Him and trust Him and hold on to Him and let go of some of the things you're holding on to. To talk about a couple out of heaven. That's a powerful phrase. Out of heaven, God cried. It even says it there, right? He called to Hagar. You know, the first time this is this word "out of heaven" is used when God sent fire out of heaven in the chapter before the, the chapter, couple chapters before this. God sent fire out of heaven. And it's only used in Genesis in the next chapter when God calls to Abraham out of heaven. So, God is calling Hagar. You know, we might think, oh, she's not that important. I mean, she's a servant. She's important. She's an image bearer of God. Everyone's important in God's sight. And you know the last time this phrase, out of heaven, is used? In the book of Revelation, where we're going to be tonight, in the very passage we're going to be tonight, and you know what comes out of heaven in Revelation chapter 21? What comes out of heaven in Revelation 21? The, the whole city of God. So just think of the power and authority of God. What can He bring out of heaven? He can bring the fire of judgment. He can bring a whole city. And it's an eternal city. But He can bring His eternal Word to your heart. That's what He does to Hagar. His eternal word of love. Fear not. Fear not. Hagar, you don't have to be afraid. So I say to us today, our God sees us where we are. He has a passion for us to hear our cries and to speak to our need. And so don't be afraid. And we have lots of human reasons to be afraid. I say don't hold on to the things of this life, but hold on and trust in the Lord. Because there's no way to make it through this pandemic and through the vaccinations and through passports. Can you imagine being a firefighter, a police officer, a nurse or doctor and just believing that, that they don't want to receive the, 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 the vaccination? And now they're forced to leave their job. They're going to have to let go. 
They have to let go of that job. And, and I pray that they would learn to trust God through this. That's what God's teaching us through this time. Trust God no matter what. Fear thou not. Say these verses, then we'll get to the next point. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. If you're afraid, memorize that verse. God is with us. We don't have to be afraid. I love the next verse. It says, Fear thou not, for I have redeemed thee. Are you saved? Are you redeemed? Are you born again? If not, make sure that you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Just like he calls to Hagar. For thou art mine. So I say, let's not be afraid. Let's remember that God has a passion, a great passion for us. The second thing, though, we see in this passage of Scripture is God has a great plan for Hagar and for Ishmael. So never forget that. Never forget. I say never forget because God had told Hagar, the angel of the Lord spoke to her back in chapter 16 and said He was going to make Ishmael a great seed. He he told Abraham a number of times he was going to make of Abraham a great nation. But just like Hagar, we have a tendency to forget the promises of God. And so the Lord once again reminds Hagar that he has a plan for her and her son. So he says in verse 18, Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make of him a great nation. That's not the first time the Lord has said that of Ishmael. In fact, He said it right to Abraham in verse number 13. I will make of him a great nation, because he is the seed of Abraham. The Lord is saying this to Hagar. I'm not done with this boy. Now, he was laying under that bush. with He was dying. He had nothing to drink. And, and in fact, when later in the text where it says that Hagar does see water, she doesn't say, hey, Ishmael, come over here and get a drink. No. He seems to be so weak, she even has to bring him the water. So here's this boy. She's cast him under a shrub as if laid him to, to his, into his grave. And God says, I'm not done with him! <laughs> isn't done with you. You woke up this morning. God has a plan. He has a purpose for you. Do you believe that? He loves you. Yes. We're here. We're not here by accident. We're here because God has created us and put us here. And that's the problem with our society. People are wandering around because they don't believe the, the basic foundational truths of the Bible. So she must remain strong in her despair. He says, arise, lift up the lad. Do you think she, do you think she physically felt the strength to lift up a 13-year-old boy? <laughs> but God commanded her, and the strength to obey God is not in us, it's in Him. And it's in His command. If God commands us to do something... He'll give us the strength to obey as we surrender ourselves to Him. Remain strong. This is my wife lifting up our firstborn daughter with her five, that's five generations. And that's her nana on the far right 
with the Lord and her grandmother Marie who got saved watching the prophecy movies, uh, Thief in the Night and, and things. And she became a real uh, preacher of the gospel and telling everybody Jesus is going to come again. That was Grammy Marie. And then Debbie's mom on the left and Debbie and our little Rachel. And that's my mom lifting up Rachel just so you see my, my dear mother no longer with us as well. Arise. Remain strong. Life is hard. Life has trials and battles and ups and downs and, and conflicts and tri- triumphs as well as difficulties. Be strong. Never forget, He has a great plan for you. Never forget it. He has a plan for you, so remain strong. And then, remember your responsibility and authority in times of despair. I always love it when the TLC family sings for us and they hold their children in their arms. Phoebe and Chloe. What a beautiful way to get your family involved in the ministry. Arise. Lift up. I'm just using that as a picture to illustrate. Lift up your children. Hold them. Love them. Let them know how much they mean to you. Always care for them. Always be there for them. Encourage them. Lift them up. Speak words of blessing to them. Because you know what? This world wants to teach our children the lies. And destroy them. And cause them to wander in confusion about who they are. A lot of people are going to think about Hagar in her complete despair. She cast Ishmael into the bush. A lot of parents are just giving up on their children, casting them under the bush of social media, for example. Don't throw your children under the bush of social media. Don't put a a phone, an iPhone in their hand and say, here, watch this, and then you go off and party. That's what a lot of parents are doing now. Don't! Those statistics I read to you before, I believe a lot of it is because of social media. Social media is destructive, and guess what? It's going to get a lot worse. As technology is advancing so fast, we can't even keep up with it. Don't throw your child under the bush of the social media universe. And you know that Mark Zuckerberg... And I'm just going to put it to you this way. Mark Zuckerberg is an unbelieving anti-Christ. Don't follow him. I'm thinking about, our church does have a Facebook page. I'm thinking, seriously, about I've gotten off of Facebook personally. We just throw a few announcements on our Facebook. I think I just might get off it myself, our church off it. I'm not saying you should. You do what you feel that you need to do, but... You know, Mark Zuckerberg, they're rebranding Facebook. They're calling it Meta now, which is a Greek preposition, by the way. <laughs> calling it Meta. And what, what he's going to do, he is investing billions of dollars now. They've hired literally 10,000 new people so that this phone that we carry around as an appendage of our hand, they want you to walk around and live with virtual reality glasses next. And they want to put you into their universe. That's what he calls it, the metaverse. 
And His universe is His virtual reality and almost an extended reality, a 3D world that is going to be so cool. You're going to put those glasses on the kids and they're like, oh wow, I never want to take these glasses off. That's exactly what Mark Zuckerberg wants. We're going to just have to ultimately, with the, the way this technology is moving, we're just going to have to ultimately come through the place and say, I'm not going there. Now, Mark Zuckerberg is like Nimrod of old. He's trying to bring the world together as one in his metaverse. He's like Nimrod. This is a global reset. Mark Zuckerberg cares nothing of the United States of America. They've used the United States to make money, and now they're going to forsake the United States and reach the world with his metaverse. It's, a, it's an extended 3D reality world. I was listening last week, 60 Minutes, did a special on transhumanism, which is a whole other subject. Very interesting. I could talk to, to you about that for an, another hour. I won't. Don't worry. But you know, what they, you know what the guy said? He said, you Christians, you're living in such a false reality. You're living in, you know, in la-la land. You believe all this crazy stuff like Jesus is coming back again. So we're going we're gonna to tell people about our reality, our virtual reality. And theirs is going to be a lot more cool than reading the Bible. <laughs> See, this is what's happening in our world. It's Antichrist. How about this? We're going to have to, we're gonna have to let go of some ropes here. Now, I'm not saying that Parents should take their children out of the Christian school, uh, out of out of the public school. I'm not saying that at all. Okay, I'll preface what I'm about to say. I want to give you though this illustration of what's happening in our culture, and that we can't just throw our children under the bush of public education and think everything's fine. I can go do what I want now because they're going to learn in the school. This is a new age. If your children are school age and they're in the public school or a Christian school or whatever school, and obviously if you're homeschooling, you're involved with them, but we have to be more involved in the teaching of our children now than ever before. Get involved in their school board meetings if they're in a public school or a Christian school. Know your teachers. Meet the teachers. Know what books your children are reading. Know what books are in the library of the school. Now, in the recent election that took place in Virginia, the governor election in Virginia, the election really turned on this question. Who has authority over your children to teach them and protect them? Now, let, me, let me say this. I have to say this. Some of you just thought, oh, pastor's going to be political right now. I'm not being political. This is Biblical. What's happening is the politicians are getting... They're dealing with biblical subjects and they're teaching lies. So when the politicians are leading us in the way of lies, I will speak out against them. And it isn't about Republican or Democrat. I could care less, really. Because I believe both sides have a lot of globalist, elite career politicians that are nothing but power-hungry liars. There, I said it. 
But Terry McAuliffe was running for governor, and the, the election turned when he said this in a debate. This is what he said in a debate. I don't think, it's up here on the screen, parents should be telling schools what they should teach. That turned the election. And you know what? Rather than say, you know what? I, didn't, I shouldn't have said that. That was a mistake. He doubled down on it. Now listen, there are certain things that are very clear in, in my Bible. And one of them is that children are given to the parents. And parents, and that's my point in this message right now, that parents have the authority. Parents have the responsibility to train up their children in the way that they should go. Parents are a gift that God gave to you, not to the public school. You as the parent, if you want your child to go to the public school, you put them under the public school, but you are the authority over that school, and that's why you need to get involved in it. And McAuliffe is saying, parents, just throw your children under the shrub and leave us alone to let us teach them what we want. And he lost, and I'm glad he did. In the backdrop of him saying that, this happened back in May. Scott Smith and his wife, Jess, their 15-year-old daughter, and he's a plumber. He's just a normal guy, sending his 15-year-old daughter to school. She was sexually assaulted in the girls' bathroom, in a gender-neutral bathroom, I should say, by a 15-year-old boy wearing a skirt. And this isn't fake. This isn't made up. This isn't right-wing conspiracy, as even a former president said it was, basically. This is true because this incident happened in May. That boy was convicted of that crime last month in October. So it really happened, and he was convicted of sexually assaulting Scott and Jess Smith's daughter in a school back in May. But as soon as this happened... The school went into overdrive to conceal the crime and then to demonize the father. They did it the day the crime happened. You know what they did the day? I spent hours looking at this, and what I'm telling you is true. You look it up. If I say anything that's not true about this case, you let me know. But the day the crime happened in the bathroom, the school did not announce that a girl had been assaulted in the bathroom. Rather, they called the father in, and the father said, did you call the police or notify the police? And the school principal said, no. The father got upset, so the school called the police to arrest the father. The day it happened. So they went into overdrive. That's why I say they went at the very, from the beginning to conceal the crime and demonize the parent. And it went on, and I, I don't want to keep going on about this, but I saw this in the news. This happened in June where he went to a school board meeting and the school said there have been no incidents in our bathrooms. And his daughter got sexually assaulted. And he got upset. Because his job is to protect his daughter. And all we saw in the news was this guy going ballistic, and then he gets handcuffed and brought to the police station. 
But it goes on from there. That was in June. In September, just I'm talking this September, this is all happening, boom, boom. The National School Board Association wrote a letter to the Attorney General of the United States. Now, you know how much law enforcement power the Attorney General has? He's over the Department of Justice, the FBI, Homeland Security, and other departments as well. He's the top law enforcement officer in the land. The National School Board Association wrote a letter to Merrick Garland and said mobs of parents are threatening the school board members and they use Scott Smith as an example. Now, I have to say, when the school board found out that it was Scott Smith's daughter had been sexually assaulted, they apologized. But in this June meeting, the principal said nothing had happened. Later, it found out that the principal knew something happened and he was covering it up. He apologized. Then, like I mentioned, the boy who assaulted his daughter was convicted of his crime in October. And in the meantime, guess what? They put him in another school and he committed the crime again in another school. So all Scott Smith wanted was to protect his children, his daughter and other children. But you know what the school had? They have a transgender agenda. They were trying to get gender-neutral bathrooms passed. They were trying to make it mandatory that teachers call their students by their pronoun. That's, the, that's what's more important to the school. That's why I'm saying, beloved, know what's going on, please. And we need a true turning to God in our nation. These are just norm, this is a normal person. Don't throw your children. And by the way, the liberal media, you can't see that at the top, the liberal media in the midst of all this censored and didn't talk about it. They made it look like the father's the bad guy. The media is a false problem. Stop listening to this wicked media in our nation. Okay. That's a few of the applications I wanted to make. I'm just running out of time. I wish I could make more, but I won't. But the third thing I want to say, go back to our text, please. In Genesis chapter number 21, not only does God have a great passion to know us, so do not fear. And God has a great plan for us, so never forget that plan. Don't forget His promises, but God has a great provision for you, so never faint. Now, I love this. God hears her, and He cries to her, and He says, lift up the lad. And then in verse 19, after this, what did God do to Hagar? What does it say in verse 19? God did what? He opened her eyes. He opened her eyes. Beloved, we have to learn to go to the Bible and let God open our eyes when we read the Bible. You have to cry out to God. Notice the progression. She's weeping. She has a need. She's letting go. She says, Lord, I'll hold on to you. 
She's crying. God speaks to her. And then God says, arise. She's then obedient. And so she's willing to hear. She's willing to follow through. And then God opened her eyes. And so she sees the great provision. And so that's what we need to hold on to. That God has a great passion for us. That God has a great plan for us. And God has a great provision for us. Hold on to the rope. Hold on to the rope of God's love. Hold on to the rope of God's provision. He'll always be faithful to you. He'll provide for you. You need love. He'll give you love. You need forgiveness. He'll give you forgiveness. You need salvation. He'll save you to the uttermost. You need power. He'll give you power. You need a sense of encouragement. He'll give you courage. God can do all things. Don't despair. Don't faint. God opened her eyes. There was a well of water. <laughs> There's a well of water. Amen? Amen? His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a well of love in Jesus Christ. There's a well of mercy in Jesus Christ. There's a well of grace in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins. There's a well. He said, come unto Me and drink. You'll be satisfied. You'll be fulfilled. Come unto Me and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Come to Jesus Christ. Live for Jesus. Don't let go of the ropes of this world. Let go of the political party you've held on for so long. And hold on to Jesus Christ. Let go of the public schools. You're trusting them. Let go and take charge and live for Jesus and love Him with all your heart. There's a well available. As I close, go to Isaiah chapter 24. Isaiah chapter 24 is a chapter of judgment. And if America doesn't repent, America will come under the judgment of God. And it says in this chapter, the first verse says that the Lord is going to make the earth empty and turn it upside down. So, we haven't begun to see the judgment of God of what He could do. This passage speaks of the earth being devoured and desolate. Look what it says in verse number 10. This relates to us. The city of confusion is broken down. Hello, New York. You're confused. Turn to Christ. Believe the Bible. Let God open your eyes to His abundance. And as you go down in this passage, though, everything is dark. Things are upside down. Confusion. Devouring. But in the midst of all this, this is, this is the blessing now. Even when things are dark, even when there's not, not much to, it seems to be happy about, guess what, child of God? Look what it says in verse 14 and 15. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Hallelujah. That's so awesome. You know why? No matter how dark and it seemingly dismal things are as Christians, we can rejoice in the Lord because He never changes. He says, the majesty of God. Sing. And it says in verse 15, this is where we're going to be. This is maybe a bit where we are right now. But it says in verse 15, can you read it with me? 
I have it highlighted on the screen. It says, Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires. When you're even in the fire and everything seems like it's burning up around you. Don't claim that you're a victim. Claim that you're a victor in Jesus Christ. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And though the earth is turned upside down, and we are living in the last days, cities mourn, cities are in confusion, our nation is in despair. God gives us a song. God gives us a song in the fire. So come to Jesus, and in Him is all you will ever need. Let's stand together as we pray. That's your hope at the end of your rope. I don't know where you are today, but maybe you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Let go. Trust God. He has a passion for you. He has a plan for you. He has a provision for you. You might have to leave your job. But your job is not your provider. God is your provider. He will provide for you. Never fear. Never forget. And right now, let's not faint. Because God hears our cry. And He speaks to our need. He has a plan to do something great. And He will provide. So pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive my unbelief. Forgive my lack of courage. Forgive my cast down spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. The Spirit of courage, contentment, the Spirit of Christ. Confidence in You, Lord. Help me, God. I cast my cares upon You, Lord. Cleanse me of my sin and my unbelief. Put joy in my heart and a song to magnify You in the fire and the flame of trial. Father, thank You. Has God spoken to your heart today to hold on to the Lord as never before? If God has, just step out of your seat and you can come and pray and surrender. Give your life to the Lord. Hold on to Him. He has a passion for you. Step out of your seat and come and pray and He'll hear your cry from heaven, from out of heaven. Maybe you need to just surrender your life. Maybe you need salvation today in Jesus. Is there anyone who'd say today, Pastor Matt, I'm not saved. Pray for me. I need salvation in Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone like that today? Hallelujah. If you have any questions about your salvation, please see us. We're going to sing just a few stanzas as we do our men will come for the offering uh, for the Lord's Supper when trials come
no longer fear.